This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. Ellie Harvey is a force, a whirlwind a presence. She's a veteran actress, an all-round funny human with a filmography a mile long and dozens of award nominations to her name, including two Gemini nominations, a Canadian Comedy Award nomination, and eight Leo noms. And in the year 2000, she won a Leo Award for Best Performance or Host in a Music, Comedy, or Variety Program or Series as a very big category for her delicious work portraying Morticia Adams on The New Adams Family. But Ellie is more than her credits, or her nominations, or her awards. She's her sense of humor, which is the stuff of legend and has been wielded on improv stages and as an event host. She's also her intellect and her compassion, both of which she flexes as president of UBCP ACTRA, the actors union in these here parts. In short, Ellie is a leader, an advocate for artists, wildly talented, and wickedly funny. And so today, we're going to attempt to figure out what makes this whirlwind tick. Wait, do whirlwinds tick? Uh, It all fell apart at the end. Ellie Harvey, welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast. I want you following me everywhere, saying that about me. (laughs) Like at Savon, Shoppers Drug Mart, and I could just, you know, nod knowingly. You know, I've done all those things. I would very, I would very (laughs) happily do that. Thank you. What makes you tick? You know, like, how do you, I mean, that's my, how I see you, somebody who's been watching you for years, which sounds super creepy, but <laughs> it's totally not, you know, who's seen you perform on stage and as a host and watched you on television and had conversations with you about issues that you care about. How, how do you, that's how I see you, but how do you describe yourself and how do you see yourself? Wow. It's, it's weird because on top of all that, I'm a mother. Mm. And what happens to you as a, a woman, as a mother, is you really kind of put yourself aside. Uh, and in a way, I guess you have to because the focus is completely on this person. Yeah. And, and I don't think that this person knows the person you just described. <laughs> like he knows me as, you know, mom, like I have to do what she says. She helps yeah. me with homework, you know. Yeah. Um, there are times when I'll say something and I think it's hilarious and he's like, you're not even funny. And I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> 
or, the I'll, nerve. or I'll say something I think is brilliant, and my husband and son will just say nothing, and I just like I look for a camera and say pearls to swine. <laughs> I know it would kill, right? Uh, and I sometimes wish there was a camera on me constantly because I would just be you know doing the the, uh, the gym in the office, like looking at it, like oh my god, these idiots. But I love so, to know that you do that anyway. <laughs> yes, I do. No. I literally look for a camera. It's usually a window of some sort. Um, yeah, reflective surface. Yes. Always um, good. But as far as uh, what makes me tick, the, and I think any performer is going to tell you this, I, I knew when I was three that I wanted to be a performer. I I, was, I grew up in Belleville, Ontario. I was my air, youngest kid in an Air Force Whoa. family. Yeah. Hey? Belleville, Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. That is the best cheese curds, wow. the, the cheesies. And um, that's where the Big Apple is on the highway, where you stop and get some you know pie. What? No recollection of it. I left when I was six, right? <laughs> but, wow, that's, I mean, just so you know, yeah. if you're from Belleville, yeah. that's the claim to fame. I remember Zwix Island, which was, I remember a giraffe. You know, those are the thing your childhood. I don't know that to. at all. But we had, uh, you know, a, a large family, five kids. I was the youngest. Um, I just followed them around the block, uh, watched. Ma and Pa Kettle, uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, Lucille Ball, all the black and white TV stuff because mm -hmm. my parents were older. Um, and then uh, we moved to Saskatchewan. Prince Albert, Saskatchewan was really where, like, uh, that's what I think of as my hometown because, yeah. you know, riding my bike with my friends to the 7-Eleven. Sorry, the pop shop. <laughs> yeah. To get, <laughs> to get a pop at the pop shop. There wasn't a 7-Eleven for a little while. But um, but I always knew I wanted to be a performer, and I just didn't think that was something I could do. Yeah, so, like, what kind of family? I mean, you mentioned big family. Yeah. Like, was it a, a creative family? Uh, it, no, it, it not... My mother was very creative. Like she, my mother was an artist and a teacher. Yeah. Uh, so she was always painting, and she had a novel she worked on her whole life that never got finished. And um, and she would very much encourage artistic, you know, hobbies. Yeah. Um, we all played instruments. She, all her kids had to have a college degree and play instruments. That was kind What's of. What's your fun. instrument? Well, I took the viol violin, which was hideous. Uh, quick story. Violin, uh, uh, my sisters, all three of us, played the violin. My mother would drop us at this convent in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, to take, uh, to take violin lessons from a nun named Sister Parody. And then I went into comedy, which is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> so we'd go, and, and, sh and it was this big, quiet, you know, nunnery where we would uh, go into these rooms and practice violin as one at a time as the other one went in to have their lesson. So when my eldest sister was in, my sister was two years older than I, would sneak out of our practice rooms and would just walk around the convent and we'd see a nun far off and we'd run and, you know, it was just like, that's all we would do. And so we were horrible. And anytime there was a recital, I just faked playing. Like I, I didn't have the bow on. How do you one. fake playing a... You, you don't let the bow touch the strings. You just but move it they, like you're Were you playing to. a solo? Never. Oh, okay. That was never that good. Okay. I thought it was like a solo recital. I'm like, how do you fake a solo in a recital? <laughs> no. I'm, I, I love this idea of the two of you exploring though. Oh, uh, it was, we loved that. Content. was just like, I'd get yeah. the knock, knock, knock on the door and then I'd open it and she'd be there and she'd be like, let's go. We would just skitter around. It was crazy. I, I love that. What What do you think childhood you would think of the life that that you've led and that you have now? Oh, she would be thrilled. Yeah, thrilled. I, I uh, 
I remember watching, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the name? Christmas Story. Mm. Uh, and I was probably in high school then, university. I hadn't committed to being an actor yet. But there's a scene where the two elves are at the top before the kid goes down the slide. And I, I know it vividly. Yeah, yeah. And the one elf, the female, she's bobbing her head around and the little bell's going back and forth. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Uh, just that part, that, if I could get that, I would have I done it. Yeah, and so honestly, like when uh, there's been a couple times in my life when I'm like, I so surpassed the bell bobble head. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like so. I would, I would be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. Now you said that you knew that you were a performer yeah. and that you wanted to perform. Yeah. But what form did you think that was going to take, or did you hope it would take? Because when I think about you, I think of like a multi, I, I'm doing this like shimmy, but like a multi-hyphenate, you know, because you are, you are, as you said, you are an improviser, you're a, a, you've been a stand-up comic, you're an actress, you're yeah. a host, like, and those are all, those are all different. I'm a loud mouth. Yeah. Uh, I, wait, I didn't say yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I'll well, just, can I just say yes? Yeah? I'll say yeah. Uh, well, the, the thing about my family, when you ask if we were creative, we weren't, but we were very loud. Mm. We argued a lot. We talked about politics all the time. Oh yeah. My parents were very conservative. Uh, most of the kids were not. And we would have battles, like debates and arguments and blow flare ups. And I'd run up crying to my room and knock on the door later. Oh, okay, we have to make up. Um, but, but very much our voices counted. Wow. Like, uh, so, so I always felt like I had something to say. Um, and, and different from my parents because I grew up with my generation. Hmm. And so I, I feel like what, what's coming to fruition now with even the legalization of marijuana and Black Lives Matter, uh, that, that uh, and Me Too, yeah. uh, those are all things that the seeds were planted for before me, generations before me, yeah. but we, were, we saw it starting to grow. We didn't know what to do with it. And, and now uh, I feel like our generation has to just encourage the growth step aside, make room, you know, and really uh, embrace the change. And it's, it's crazy to me that a lot of Americans aren't, my age don't do that. Yeah. Um, and Canadians too, who am I kidding? But, uh, but my voice mattered, which I, you know, obvious, I lay at the feet of my parents for letting us, you know, for telling us we, we were, you know, our voices mattered. Yeah, and I do love that you are now president of the union. And I've said POTUS, and I'm like, what's, and then you said POTU, and I said, that's like a Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah. So now you're POTU, you know, and so you are still kind of in in politics. You are you are advocating for people. Yeah. You are you are, are making change, and you know, so, yeah, I think childhood you would think that you are super duper yeah. rad. Well, teenage me, like honestly, if you run into friends of mine from high school, they, they would think that I would more likely have been prime minister. Mm. But that was actually a thought of mine. Uh, that was, it was. I remember my friends would be smoking pot and I'm like, I can't. I'm going to run for office someday. <laughs> so, little did I know that would have made no difference. <laughs> yeah, it would. You can get away with a lot of stuff, you yes. know. Uh, I um, never did blackface, though. So yeah, that's I, good. I, I mean, I was going to ask you because that seems to be one of the prerequisites for the, for the job. Okay, so high school. Yeah. University. College, yeah. post high yeah. school, yeah. What what did you do, and and like what did you want to be? Like, did you have an idea in your mind of like I am going to be a? Yes. Okay. So I was going to be a lawyer. 
Wait, uh, what? I was going to, uh, okay, so the desire to be an actor Man, was... this was, origin story is going to be so complicated sorry, to put I'm together. I'm so sorry. Oh my so God, I was, okay, the, li- the little actor, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor, but because my family was very, you know, academic and conservative and all that stuff, it was kind of like, that's a stupid thing to do. You have to have a job. So I thought psychologist, lawyer, so I took a degree in political studies. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. in, uh, in my final year, I went, you know what, I'm going to take an Now, my brother had taken an acting class. He is a lawyer, so I was kind of following a little in his footsteps. So I took the acting class, and uh, something just clicked. I did this short scene that was funny in uh, in my theater class, and uh, my prof said, you're, like, really funny. You should pursue this. And then he cast me in a, a play, and I got the lead out of the, you know, pretty out of the gates, and it was very successful. And then he said, you should audition for the Vancouver Playhouse. So it was just like all in that first, you know, my final year of my degree of political studies. Yeah. So I, in that final year, I, I auditioned for the Playhouse and I got in and I said to my parents, I think I want to go do acting. And they're like, what, you? Are you kidding me? What? So, uh, but they supported it. And um, I got a student loan and I moved out here and I worked at the Creole Cafe, which is downstairs from Mulvaney's. That was my oh. first job. And I worked at the Alma Street Cafe and I worked at Red Robin. And Whoa. I worked at- Whoa, you got all the, you yeah. got all the good skills and yeah. that's a training ground in and of, its, of itself. Yeah. Did it feel right though? Uh, yeah, yeah, it felt great. And, Can you and imagine if you hadn't taken that theater no, Exactly, I'd, I'd be making a lot more money right now. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I'm not you, gonna lie. Maybe you would have found it. I'd anyway. be prime minister. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That so, sorry, great. country. Sorry about that. <laughs> Damn it! But we I could have had Prime Minister Harvey. I also Man. was married very young. I uh, at 22, I married uh, my first boyfriend, and yeah. he was a musician, and he moved out here with me, and uh, and then we split up in my mid 20s. And then I was just all about me. I had my training, I was doing theater sports, and I just dug in and uh, just really gave it in comedy and, and had a lot of success. Yeah. And uh, really great years, really, really, you know, great friends, good times, success. And then I got Adam's family, and, um, and that was just a game changer because that was like going to grad school for yeah. acting in front of a camera and uh, 15 months straight 65 episodes uh, in character comedy an iconic character yeah we're gonna put a pin in Morticia yes. for a minute okay because um, I do want to talk a bit about about comedy uh-huh. and um, the anatomy of funny Okay. I mean, is it the kind of thing that, like, any can anyone be funny? Like, is there is there a secret? Hmm. Well, okay. So I was watching the marvelous Mrs. Marple. What is that her name? Maple. 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 Basil. That's it. <laughs> we got there eventually. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the show. I think it's great. But but the one thing that's missing that I don't think an actor can do is uh, there's just an X factor. Uh, that made Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers. It yeah. wasn't the lines she was delivering, it It wasn't how she was delivering it, it was her. Mm. A- and what happens in comedy is you find your persona and, and you don't even know what it is. Yeah, you're, It's just there. And sometimes you can see it when you're watching yourself, uh, you're watching, you know, or, or, or people tell you, or people say a thing you do. And you know, it's even funny because for Morticia, I remember the one of the, uh, the camera guy's going, oh, that voice you do is so funny. And I'm like, what voice? 
I had no idea I did a voice because hmm. I just did the character. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when I saw the show, I was like, oh, I'm doing a weird little, you know. Um, so, so I think that uh, the same thing is true when you're just in the persona of you as a stand-up comedian or you as an improviser. You enter this thing that's just, it's just you. Yeah. And, uh, and someone who doesn't have that can't nail it. You, like, you can't find it. It's just specific to comedy. And, and, um, and you either have it or you don't. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a tricky thing. And there are people who are really great at you know, great actors playing comedy and they can do the timing and everything, yeah. but you take them out of there and put them on a stage, you know, delivering material and it's just not the same. Yeah. What was, what was your comedy about? Uh, my comedy, uh, I can't, I can't do now because I have a husband and a son <laughs> and it was so blue. It was, it, it was salty. <laughs> it was a little salty. Well, it was, it was, I was honest. Um, uh, I, I, it was all about, you know, being a young woman in that time and that era and being kind of awkward and you know uh the the encounters you would have sexually and otherwise <gasps> uh and and it was hilarious yeah. um i i <laughs> i don't even know if i can say it now because i'm so used to shutting down that side of me um but i'm very famous for the finger up the ass <laughs> Story, joke. Uh, can I say that? I said okay. Fuck yeah, my okay. eyes are so. No one can see that, okay. but I'm like. So, so the joke was, I was suddenly single, and you know, you're meeting people, and one guy in an encounter went, "Put your finger in my ass," and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> and this is my stand-up. Bit. My stand-up bit is like, I, "Is that a thing people do? Is that like the sexy thing to like?" Because I, I'm not drawn to like. Oh, I want to do this. It's like, <laughs> The only thing that would make me do that is like, God, my finger's really cold. I know. <laughs> so so that's what I mean. It was the perspective of the world I was in and then having just a funny angle on it. Yeah. And then I think my persona was just someone, you know, a friend you could relate to who's uh, open about stuff you might not be open about. Yeah. Right? Now, the stand-up comics that we've had in here yeah. uh, include, uh, we've had Columbus, yeah, yeah. Uh we've had Viv Leacock, oh, uh, yeah. we've had Brent, yep. um, all dudes. Yep. Wh what can you tell me about the experience of being a woman, funny person, a woman right. funny person, uh, a, f a funny woman, yep. um, funny girl, it's such a great movie, uh, but in that really male-dominated space. Yeah. And, and did you feel, like, did you always feel, did you feel safe? Did you feel safe physically? Did you feel safe to to tell your stories? Uh, sometimes, uh, not always. Yeah. Um, in general, like by the time by the time I was there, there weren't a lot of women. Um, I know in improv there were about two or three of us in yeah. the whole troop of about you know thirty people. You and Vina. Uh, no, that Vina had kind of moved on. Vina was kind of half in. She wasn't really performing yeah. when I was there. It was uh, Denny Williams and Christine Lippa. Okay. And then there were a crop of girls behind me. Um, I, I didn't feel a ton of support when I started from the women. Yeah. Uh, I became really close friends with Christine Lippa, who's been a, you know, just a, a mentor and uh, a, a really good friend. Uh, but at the time, I didn't feel support from, from either of the women there. And, and it's funny because I ended up in my mind going, I will always support women. I will always, because I could have used, I knew I could have used their nod. Yeah. Like, and, and so uh, the gals behind me, I made a point of. Uh, anyone I saw with talent, just kind of looking him in the eye and going, you got it, you got it, go. Yeah. Um, 
and to be fair in comedy, the ones who I didn't think got it, I, I didn't say that too because it's a ruthless business, and you got to kind of you got you got to uh, a lot of people have to figure out if they have it or don't. Yeah. And sometimes taking classes and stuff is to go okay, you don't have it, go find it. Mm-hmm. But right now you don't got it, right? Yeah. Um, which is heartless and mean sometimes, but it's also the business. You go on stage and no one laughs. It's going to be clear that you got to. You know, rethink things, um, and that's that's what the currency is, right? Like that's yeah, what you're looking for. Hundred uh, percent. I've been on stage when I remember the first time I didn't get laughs. Oh, oh. Okay, I'll tell this story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first I'll answer your question about the women. Sure. So fine. <laughs> it, it, there were two tracks. The yeah. two tracks were if you were good, there was a fast track there. The pitfall of that was there was a fast track, but you might not have quite been ready for it. Mm. Uh, and uh, the thing with the guys is there was this kind of, you know, this touring thing that happened where you'd go away for a long time and, you know, you'd go to Prince George and on the island and you'd work on your act in all these little places. Well, I, I was a working actor at that point. By the time I was doing everything, I couldn't afford to be out of town because yeah. I was doing CBC radio stuff. I was doing, you know, a background. I was doing stand-in. Uh, so I didn't want to be on the road. Um, so, so in that regard, I didn't have that kind of cultural experience of road you know, road comics have to develop their material, and yeah. not a ton of women do, because they they have opportunities in town all the time. Um, so that's the double edge of that. Um, but also, sometimes the comedy clubs felt really hostile. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they didn't respond to my material because it was, you know, slightly feminine. Well, what's feminist? Um, and, uh, and and sometimes it was, you know, uh, show us your tits. Um, and then, you know, you'd have to have a comeback for that or, you know, and I would always kind of come under and, and go, Dad, stop, don't don't do this in public or something really, <laughs> you know, just to try and make it something funny yeah. uh, as opposed to, and diffuse it. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it wasn't. But I got to tell you, doing comedy for women, the absolute best. And, and when I was doing improv, I did probably hundreds of corporate shows. Yeah. There was one day I did three shows in a row. One for Minute Lube, one for Clinique, and one for Supreme Court judges, BC Supreme Court judges. That is, yeah, that is a lot of different Three kinds in one of day. people. Yeah. Okay, the the uh, well, an oil change place. I don't want to you know point yeah. out. It was an oil. It was like a, a, a garage, a chain garage. Uh, one of those hostile. You know, what's something I do for a living? hooker you know it's just kind of the basic kind of misogynistic Mm -hmm. does this room doesn't feel good thing then i did clinique which was just like i I love audiences of women because the pitch of the laughter is more like (laughs) like instead of (laughs) 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 and they they just they they just want you to be good right they're just give it to me and then it was the supreme court judges it was like older guys what do i do for a living Hooker, you know. So, so oh. it was. Uh, but I, I must say, and then when you, if, but I, I, any crowd, if you pepper in women with men, it brings the audience up in mm. general. I, I just feel there's just more like women are out to have a good time, and they're not going to be embarrassed about laughing or yelling out something stupid, or you know, they're just a little more game, right? Yeah. Um, but where? Okay, now where did I go off track? I had three little tangents. Going. You were going to tell me about the first time you did. Okay. Get a so the first time I did so. So on this track, uh, I got to say a lot of men were really supportive of me. A lot of the comedy club owners and, uh, you know, a, a lot of the guys who ran the rooms, like Brent Butt was very, uh, Rich Elwood, um, Colin Mockery, they were all super supportive. Um, and um, uh, Rich called me in to do a, um, uh, an opening act for a headliner. And I did the, I didn't know it was a classic blunder till I did it, but I was driving in and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do my Olivia Newton-John he- headband joke, okay? 
So, which isn't really a joke. It's more like uh, feeling ripped off because, you know, I, I wasn't a hippie. I wasn't a greaser. I, I grew up with the Olivia Newton-John headband. And uh, the audience, so I did, I, I thought, okay, I'll open with that. And I opened with that. And the audience just looked at me and it was dead silence. And my mouth immediately dried out. Oh. oh. And I sat in what felt like, you know, about 10 hard heartbeats. And in that time, I was thinking, oh, my God, they can't relate to me because they're all way older than me. They don't know what the hell the Olivia Newton-John headband is. <laughs> but instead of saying that, which I should have done, I maintained silence and then went to the next thing. And by then, I'd already lost them. And I yeah. still had five minutes to do. So I got off stage and I went, oh, my God, 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 oh, my God. And Rich went, yeah, you're going to have to think about that one. I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, but but I went right off and I, and I thought, I, I know where I lost them. And I should have said that thing. I should have said this. And I said it to Rich. He said, you should have said that. Exactly. Because you, you would be in the room with them. They they would feel that you, what you said didn't work. And you'd go, that's why it didn't work. And they'd go, oh, I'm relieved because she knows what's going on. And um, so, so that was like enlightening to me. Ah. And then that was also a life lesson for uh, how we learn. Mm. In general, I was I was raised. I was a good kid. I did everything right. I married my first boyfriend. I did all this stuff. And, and it, for me, that was a realization of it's okay to make mistakes mm. and learn from them. And then that changes who you yeah. are, right? Sure, it comes up in your parenting as well. Yes. That is huge. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes, a good yes, thing yes. too. Yeah. I'm gonna take a pin out of Morticia. Okay, right Morticia, now. she's free. Pin is out. Tell me about the joys and the challenges of taking on such an iconic role and bringing your own, your own je ne sais quoi, yeah. the X Factor, to to you know a, a character that a lot of people have associations with a lot of people are hot for yeah you know one yeah. of the most um i mean honestly sex positive characters as well out there yeah they knew what they wanted yeah and they loved each other yeah so um, much. that was just one of those it was just uh luck right time right place yeah it was uh when, when i read for it uh, they said they wanted Angelica Houston, and I kept reading it, and I did exactly, like, as I was reading it, it was exactly what the performance was. And and I thought, oh, it's not really Angelica Houston, it's more Carolyn Jones, right? But, yeah. uh, but I was like, but it's coming naturally. It's coming naturally, so ah, I'm just gonna go do it. And uh, so I just did that, and it, it was what they wanted. I mean, it, it, and that's a good reminder to actors to just don't do what they want. Do like, because so many times you get okay. Here's what the the in the description what they want. Yeah. And uh, trusting my instinct of what felt right for me and and delivering them a really solid uh, in my body performance uh, was probably a better idea than reaching outside of myself to do something that didn't feel genuine. Yeah. And it paid off. Um, it was a great role. It was. Uh, it was uh, empowering for me to walk around in a tight black dress all day. I mean, mm. I, I, uh, I I was so kind of like uh, body shy. I was always had a good figure. Well, not so much anymore, but it used to hey be. Hey, now. It's all right, but it was fantastic in its time. And uh, But I was never s someone who, you know, showed it off or anything. So, so for me, it was like... Uh, uh, it was probably remnants of my parents' conservative, you know, upbringing, but yeah. it felt it felt empowering for me as a woman to go, yeah, I look great. Yeah. Uh, but also the uh, that comedy with so many different people and meeting so many people in this industry, and um, 
and being the number two on the call sheet to make the, you know, when people came in to welcome them, because I'd worked on so many American shows where the leads didn't even acknowledge you when you were a day player. Mm. And so it was a really, uh, it was overall just a really wonderful experience and to, you know, get to know the crew as well as I did and to understand the camera and everything. It was great. How did it change you? Um, well, it made me more confident, but I, the other thing that changed, I, I thought that was it. I thought my career would just keep going. Yeah. You know, I thought I've made it. Uh, and I may have been slightly arrogant in that regard. I probably should have just gone right back to comedy, but I felt like I can't now because I've got a name now and I have to go do other stuff now. Um, and I, I don't know if that's arrogance, though. That's like it's also like it's got to strike while the iron is hot, yeah, too, right? Yeah, but but it, but it was unrealistic. And and, and I'm just trying to be nice to past Ellie, okay? okay what I, I cut her some slack? No, I'd like to slap her. <laughs> I'd like to give her a good slap. Um, no, I, I wasn't an asshole, but but in my mind, like the people I was doing comedy with, I thought, oh, they just want they just want to be able to say Morticia's here instead of you know me doing comedy. But mm -hmm. in hindsight, you know, who cares? Go yeah. do the comedy. Uh, so it's just I slightly uh, I slightly bailed on my own sense of work ethic to do what I think I had to do on this little you know trip to be a star, which is just a reminder. It goes back to my theater training days. Don't believe your reviews. Hmm. You believe the good, you have to believe the bad. Yeah. Just do the work, focus on the work, and keep moving forward. So if I had just and then I ended up doing that, I ended up going, you know, no, I'm just going to do the work. And even now, uh, I'll read for something that people will, you know, I'll read for a, I'll read for a day part in a film because it's like, it's a day of work. It's, yeah. I get to do work, right? Um, I, it, if you overthink what you're doing for your career, um, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't work for me. Maybe yeah. it works for other people, but yeah. So, so that was one of the pitfalls. But, but the, one of the great things was, you know, a lot of people got to see my timing. Um, my acting ability, my ability to characterize, and you know, it brought laughter to people, and you know, and then the downside is people. She's the worst Morticia ever. <laughs> you know, there's that whole stuff. <laughs> Don't read your reviews. I know exactly. Take your own advice. Yes. What is an Ellie Harvey role? Well, uh, oh, it's two things because. It's usually the quirky friend or the quirky boss or the quirky scientist or yeah. quirky coroner. Um, but Do we uh, want our coroners to be quirky is the question. Well, you know, they're by themselves all day yeah. with corpses, so what are you going to do? <laughs> they ain't normal. Um, uh, but, but ironically, uh, I really also dig drama, like mm. big time. Uh, I don't, and there are a handful of casting directors who I know know both sides to me. Mm -hmm. Most of them just call me in for the quirky stuff, but there are some that call me for more challenging uh, roles. Mostly it's character work. Mostly if I'm, uh, you know, it, it's something more intense uh, than, you know, uh, it's never the ingenue, which clearly not anymore. But, but, uh, but most of the roles I've played have been character, even if, and most of the roles I go in for have some kind of, character thing happening whether it's you know whether it's uh, a, a sad person or a, a, a witch or a, you know uh, so, some kind of damage of some sort yeah which is great yeah I like the role you played on some assembly required oh was Mrs. Bubkiss yeah so fantastic yeah that was fun that was fun and very physical yes as well it was great yeah. I mean I got to do so much physical stuff it was crazy yeah, yeah. How has comedy changed? 
um, since the earliest days of your yeah. of your career. Well, you know, uh, in light of Me Too and Black Lives Matter and all of the social changes, uh, the acceptance of transgender, you know, uh, trans people, it's uh, it's changed, uh, and I think it's changed for the better. Quite honestly, mm. um, I, I think that uh, the sensibilities of the audience are what you have to kind of stay in. Now, it's been a long time since I've uh, had a connection to the audience. Now, the the, the audience in a room is like. They're the they're what you're there for. Yeah. And uh, and I really feel for the people who are performers right now who have missed that for the last 18 months. Like that's, I can't imagine not having an audience for 18 months at that point in my life because it was your the lifeblood for your creativity. Um, but now I imagine it's it's different. I, I every now and then I think, oh, it'd be nice to do improv to see, you know, where I connect still and where I don't. Like, yeah. where do I lose the audience? Where, uh, you know, where do where do they come with me? Um, and I think it's less mean now and a little more clever. I think. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. Re- I've only been in a couple of rooms, but. Uh, uh, I would love to see you back up. Yeah, I mean, stage. it's funny because now that my son's 14, I've been kind of like, what would I talk about? And it would be like, it would be about being a mom. Like, yeah. that's my angle is, you know, that little son of a bitch. Who is, <laughs> There's your angle. You know, <laughs> no, he's, he's awesome. He's awesome. But it, it is like uh, uh, really like when I think of all the moms out there as human beings, their children do not see them. Like they don't. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I didn't see my mother, and she's passed now. And I go, oh, I wish I could have, you know, seen behind the curtain. And I look at pictures of her from her youth, and I'm like, oh, that's uh, like I have no idea who she was because it's all about the kid and their filter. And yeah. I'm his mother, and he needs that, and he sees me in a way, but he doesn't see me as a human being. Not yet. No, but it's that thing that he doesn't see me as a human being that I know I can share with every other mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, is, there, is there a role or a character type that you haven't played before that you yearn to play? Um, God. I mean, you mentioned that you want to play drama, but I want to hear about like specific like characters or types of characters. Well, um, you know, I would love to play uh, someone violent interesting yeah i would love to uh i said that like my therapist says when i say kind of like i think that there is uh as an actor you know you access different parts of you and that's just such not a part of me i mean i you know i I have i was an athlete at some you know i play i was active in sports and so you can kind of access that aggression right but but just what makes a person go there and and then to do the process of like what had to have happened to them for to be there or is there just a screw loose and what it feels like to have a screw loose and be in this you know um in this uh place and uh, yeah i mean it's that's just interesting to me as a performer that's actually one of the most interesting answers I've ever had to that question. Well, so. thank you. So I won? Yeah. Thank you. I yes. won the Brian Markinson yes, mug. Yes, you did. Yes, you're drinking from the Brian Markinson <laughs> mug. Um, let's talk about POTU, which okay. is POTU. now a thing. We invent we that did. now, president of the, the union. union. <laughs> um, you are you are the president of UBCP yes. Actor. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian well Television done. and Radio Arts uh, because UBCP Actor is also from almost the very beginning of the podcast, a sponsor yes. of the show. Yeah. Um, why did you step up to serve in this way? Because I know it's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it is a, it's a service 
position. It's not yes. like you're you're just going on parade floats and people are throwing roses at you. I'm sure that happens every every other day, but you know. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, no, I I when my son was three. Uh, there was no film work in BC. That's when the Save BC film thing started right. ramping up. And I was uh, sitting at home, and I'd already had the feeling, and I already thought, what can I do with my time to give back? Uh, I come from a military family. I was in the military for a brief time. We didn't t- talk about Wait, that. Wait, what? Yeah, pin that. <laughs> pin. I'm out of pins. There's so many pins. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, and so so I, I, I do have that thing to serve. Like, there is a, a thing in me that if there had been a war and I was 19 or 20, I would have gone. Um, I know. Uh, that's just, it's wow. It's just something, it's hard to explain, um, but people who are service-minded will know that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did have that, and I, I was going, what could I do? Could I work at the children's hospital? Like, uh, could I raise money? Uh, what's, what could I do? And then I saw uh, something come out, um, an email saying, uh, positions for the board, da, 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 and I was thinking, oh, yeah. And then I could figure out what's going on with why not all, all this work is going to Toronto. Um, and so I phoned the union, and Sue Browse answered, wow. who was a casting director who just started working for the union. Yeah. Um, and, and I knew her, and I was like, well, if she's there, I could be there. So I ran, and I got in, and I was a director for uh, one term, which is three years. I ran again. I was a director for another term. Then I ran for treasurer, mm-hmm. and I thought that was going to be it for me. And then last term, there was just, you know, there was so much with Me Too, mm. and there was so much with Black Lives Matter that it, it felt like we needed to have a woman president. Yeah. We just needed to. And uh, I was happy to walk away at that point because there are other things I want to kind of be working on. But, but I felt like I was the one with the qualifications and the time and experience to step up to that. Uh, so I did. And, and, and it's great. I enjoy it now. I, my primary focus is um, succession build, you know, planning, uh, filling everyone in with my knowledge. People, I brought a, you know, Enid Ray Adams and I brought in uh, uh, John Cassini mm. and Sean McDonald. And, and they're all people who I, I brought, uh, you know, suggested run. I, I suggested a lot of people run and, and they did. And there's going to be great people running in the future. I think the point is to keep working actors and working performers, stunt people, yeah. background performers, working people doing it. A lot of us are over 50 on the board and we really need to get young people in and, and get things moving. So that's 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 how I choose to serve and also, you know, really uh, advocating for opportunities for our members, enforcing um, the uh, uh, preference of engagement uh, and maintaining stability in the industry here. Those are the important things. Okay, we're gonna take off your union hat now. Okay. Um, but I do want to talk about. You mentioned me too. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I've been I've been covering this industry for a decade now. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of women about the, just the challenges that women face navigating the industry. Yeah. You know, as mothers with you know um, uh, instability of childcare. Yeah. Uh, you know, with you know sexual violence, sexual harassment. You know, pay inequities. Have you witnessed any noticeable change for women in the film and television industry since Me Too dominated the public discourse in 2017? Like, as somebody who's been in the industry for decades, like, are things getting better? Are, or, and if, like, or where is, where do we need to focus our efforts? And I say our yeah. being everybody who is a stakeholder in this industry, you know, including audiences, frankly. Yeah. I think it is changing. Um, 
I, I saw a movie the other day uh, with a TV show, can't remember. But it started, the scene after commercial, started on a background woman's uh, behind and panned out and up to the bar where the two men were sitting looking at said background performers behind. You wouldn't see that now. That, I mean, that that's that just, unless it's a parody. Yeah. Uh, so, so the sensibilities of the audience have completely changed. Um, I, I think that on set, it feels like we're all aware of where boundaries are, whereas it used to be, you know, dirty jokes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, I, I, but it's funny because I'm also, you know, I'm in my 50s now, <laughs> well into my 50s. And so it could be like, don't talk dirty around the old lady, right? So it could be that too. Yeah, and I, I do not advise you to go walking around saying, but I have a great finger in the anus joke. Yeah, it's you hilarious. <laughs> you guys think you came up with that stuff? Um, but uh, It's not the icebreaker that you might think it is, Ellie. No, so, so it is, um, I, I do think it's changed. And yeah. I, I, I even see in the breakdowns, like uh, it used to be you'd get a breakdown, she's a perfect 10, great legs, big bust Ugh. you don't see that anymore yeah. you don't so it's uh, and and so many casting people are female as well mm. so I think it's like uh, given uh, the female casting people a permission to kind of go whoa whereas I know of being a female in the comedy world you kind of go okay this is the world I'm in this is their world but it's kind of evening out whose world it is now mm. so I, I think it is better uh, I'd have to I'd have to really be a lead to see consistently, and I haven't had a lead since some assembly, like a, a series lead. Yeah. But I, I am interested to see how the world has changed in that regard. Yeah. We're gonna do some time travel. Okay. A little bit more time travel. Um, no, we're not. We're not gonna do time travel yet because you said that you were in the military? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so when I was 19, after my first year of university, I had a friend who went, look at this, eight weeks of work. Uh, it was like 1200 bucks at the time. That was a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it was a summer youth employment program, is what it was called, uh, sponsored by the um, Canadian Armed Forces. And so I was like, let's do it. So my friend and her sister and I all joined. Oh. And basically we did basic training for eight weeks. Uh, I was so incredibly fit. It was crazy. Yeah. We did, you know, out in the forest, survival stuff. Um, and uh, and then you're on a list for seven years should uh, on a reserve list right for wow. but but one of my favorite stories ever about clever little Ellie uh, we had the, a rope bridge over a, a body of water that we had to go across and it was mixed males and females so the guys arm over arm over arm over arm there's someone in the boat waiting for when you fell in because mm -hmm. that's that was the thing ah oh, guy falls in oh, yeah. a couple guys make it a couple girls go falling ah so I was wearing a uh, uh, an army, a flak jacket with a zipper. And so I go, hmm. So I scooch up on the on the rope and I zip my jacket up with the rope underneath my jacket and I all the way across. <laughs> get, I get to the other side. The petty officer who is in charge is there. And so is one of the girls who fell off in the water. My, my arch rival for competition for being the best. Oh. So she's standing there soaked and she's like, no fair, she cheated. And the petty officer said, a soldier uses any means at his disposal to accomplish the task. Whoa! And he called me a him too, so I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Referred to me in, in the mail, but uh, but that, that could was, be in a screenplay. It was it was one of my most proud like, "Hey, I'm 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 gonna be okay" kind yeah. of moments, right? <laughs> How did you do with basic training? 
I did great. I was really, I was, I was pretty fit, and I really loved physical activity. No, I, I said it oh. wrong. How did you do with the survivalist stuff? That's it what was, I mean. It was, it was tough. I mean, yeah. you know, honestly, going to the bathroom. In I was going to ask about bathrooms. Oh yeah, we had to dig a little, thing and then put your log. You tie a log to a tree, two logs to a tree, about a foot apart, you know, on either side of the trunk. That's your toilet, and you dig a big pit, and then you just throw dirt in over. Yeah, it that wasn't pretty. A lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, but but you're with the the thing about the entire experience is you're with each other, yeah. and that's it is the kind of you know the siblinghood of the army that yeah. that uh, you were all in this together kind of thing, which is the goal I guess. Yeah, um, and also I guess um, kind of parallels, you know, being in a in a theater troupe. Or, yes, you know, yeah, sure. being it, part it, of a well. Of a funny cast. you should say that because when we did basic training, which was marching, march, 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 march attention like everything's at the same time I had the exact same feeling as being in a Bob Fosse musical <laughs> like tap 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 arms up arms up arms up end yeah love it, it. totally the same feeling wow okay now we're gonna do time travel okay and it's it is the last question okay if you can go back in time mm-hmm. oh what time should we choose oh wow you have just arrived in Vancouver <gasps> And you have an opportunity to give your past self some advice. <gasps> what would you say? Or would you not say anything at all? That's an option, too. Wow. I think I would say, listen to yourself and don't marry him. Mm. That's what I would say. I knew at the time. I just didn't listen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry on that sober, somber. No. I mean, I learned a lot. And and so, yeah, I mean, do you want to? I was just feeling a bit awkward. And I'm like, because usually that question is like, what advice would be applicable to all all actors and artists? And yeah. I mean, so there is some advice in that. Trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. You're You're already there. Yeah. And a lot of adulthood is realizing that you're already there, right? Yeah. Instead of just trusting it. We saved it. We saved we it. We saved the downer <laughs> ending. Thank God. <laughs> Ellie Harvey, you're a fucking delight. Thank you. You are. Where awesome. can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you on oh. all the social meds? Oh, well, you know, I'm on uh, uh, Twitter. I'm very political. I, I hate Trump and everything Trump, so that's where I will be. Yeah. Uh, Facebook is more about, I, I post work stuff. I'm pretty light there. And then Instagram is just pictures, largely family, but yeah. I'm available to be seen in all venues there. Um, the uh, I've got a little episode of Space Force coming on. Very small role, but it was with uh, Steve Carell and John Malkovich. Like, come on! What? Come on! One small scene, but it was delightful. It was like, uh, it was just so fun to work with such professionals. It was yeah. just great. Carell and Malkovich. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard to like... Come on. You know? And lovely people. It was just yeah. wonderful, yeah. Talking to John Malkovich, you're like being John Malkovich. We're like thinking about that the oh, whole the time. Oh, the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Yes. He's, he must know. He must know. Yeah. You are being... John Malkovich. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, I'm going to say au revoir, a bientôt. I'm also going to say please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and then we can keep this conversation going, and all of a sudden I have an accent. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenscene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, 
me, me, me, me, Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devlet, poor, poor, not Furminger Dane, for the original music. Wavier Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! In the current COVID-19 environment, UBCP ACTRA, the BC Performers Union in the film and TV industry, has been working closely with industry partners, formulating sensible and practical guidelines for all cast and crew to ensure working on set is manageable and safe for everyone. UBCP ACTRA has created a dedicated COVID-19 webpage at www.ubcpactra.ca where members can find mental health resources, financial assistance information, and back-to-work strategies and updates about the current status of film production in the province of British Columbia. UBCP ACTRA knows this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many people, and we look forward to better days ahead. We will get through this together. Please visit www.ubcpactra.ca. A message from UBCP ACTRA.